up that mic we and we purchased it and bought it through the register. Welcome. Hey everyone, welcome to We Bought a Mic. Well, bam! Episode one of a pop culture podcast where we're going to talk about the latest film, TV, music, movies, mm-hmm. television. You may be thinking, cinema. This is an Ep One. I listen to Ep One. No, you idiot. You listen to Ep Zero. Ep Zero never happened. Every good podcast has an Ep Zero. That no one really talks about, just like the pilot of Fairly Odd Parents, where Timmy's head was really skinny, and then they would show it on Nickelodeon. I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like that. I'm your host, Ernest Calderon. I'm your host with the mostest, Hunter Mobley. All right, and I'm your host and chief creative media strategist, uh, Drew Dietzen. All right, guys, let's uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we're gonna give an outline of what we're gonna be talking about we're, today. We're gonna we're gonna be talking a little little movie news. Uh, then we're gonna get into what we've been watching: some *Halt and Catch Fire*, *Game of Thrones*, *Rick and Morty*, and then we're gonna give you a big old fat review of the new Kyle Mooney picture. Uh, Brigsby Bear. It's Brigsby Bear. It's. Damn. Brigsby Bear. We're going to need a sound effect for when I bring up Kyle. Just yeah, like when Hunter brings exactly. up David Lewis. Uh, that's, already... that's literally the same sound effect. Okay, what if it's... Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the opposite. That's portal time, dude. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. That's money time, dude. All right, but before we get into any of this, I wanted to bring up um, the new LCD Sound System song. You guys got a chance to listen to that yet? Oh, yeah, well, tonight? Uh, yeah, tonight, N-I-T-E. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty good. I like it. I don't think it's like his best work, but it's serviceable and it's worth listening to. It has a lot of his new stuff has parallels to a couple of Arcade Fire's new songs on their album. Uh, like Creature Comfort reminded me a lot of new LCD. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. They're both going in a yeah, similar definitely. direction of like very grandiose, like future pop kind of. Um, which is pretty good. I thought, I mean, we all thought that Arcade Fire's album was disappointing, right guys? Yeah, we're, we're going to get into that when we talk about our favorite albums of the year. But I, I really think that that album under-delivered, especially yeah. because it was one of my most anticipated albums oh, of the yeah. year. Oh yeah, Arcade, I would say they're one of my top five favorite bands ever. Um, just because of their amazing consistency up to this point where they had f- four LPs and they were all some of my favorites. Yeah. Or, EPs? LPs. LPs. Yeah. Yeah. Long plays. Yeah, I get confused because EP is extended, and I always think LP is limited. No, it's long. Long press. It's a long play. Or long press? Long press? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Linkin Park. Yes. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. But back to to LCD. I'm still excited for this record. I think, um, you know, James Murphy and gang have something special. You know, th- there's a reason why they got the exactly. band back together. I, I trust on. in James Murphy that like he wasn't going to, he wouldn't have re- like gotten everybody back together unless he had a grand plan. Yeah. yeah. I thought the first one he put out, um, the ones like, we are, we yeah, are. Yeah, Call the Police. Call the Police I and American song. Dream are both song. amazing. We I saw, love we got songs. to see them live in Atlanta earlier this year, Hunter and I did. And seeing those two songs live. So good. It just shows you how. Really? Just how. Um, ready this group is to come back full force and give us something cool. Like not only are these songs reminiscent of of the you know dancey groovy sound that LCD has has come to 
be known for, but it sounds fresh and it sounds new mm. and it's got me it's got me stoked for this new album and True. I really, really hope yeah. they deliver. It's funny that you said that uh, Arcade Fire uh, or that LCD is reminding you of Arcade Fire because LCD was a major influence on Arcade Fire on like their last two albums. I mean, especially James Murphy was a producer on Reflector. Yeah, he was. And mm-hmm. even though he didn't actually take part in um, their newest album, uh, Everything Now, yeah, then he's still like... It, a lot of that album sounds like yeah. a lower-grade LCD. Yeah, Creature Comfort could almost be LCD. Um, but as long as we're talking about new music, I want to mention Brockhampton. Uh, which Quick is shout-out. Yeah, they're a young, uh, hip, fresh, dope, trill I'm new familiar. rap group. They're out of Texas. Uh, they're a kind of a collective where they have about 15 guys total, um, like producing and like doing you know their videos and everything. And they're, uh, I don't know, they have a similar sensibility to Odd Future, where they're a bunch of young guys, and they're kind of fucking around, but then they're also incredibly talented. And they released their first album, like, not even, probably like a month ago, called Saturation. It has, like, 17 tracks. Ten of them are really, really good, and the rest are listenable. It's one of the best debuts I've ever heard from a hip-hop like act. Yeah, I've, I've been trying to listen to it, and it's definitely on my list of stuff to listen to. I. I have this long running list of my favorite albums of the year, and that's definitely on yeah. the, the the bottom section of stuff I still have to get to. But it, it does have a yeah. fresh new sound. Yeah. It's very yeah, it's super super fresh. Very, uh, it just it's like gleaming with like youth kind of where you're like, damn, these guys are just like it's just like flowing out of them yeah. like like semen. Um, <laughs> but anyway, they announced a second album dropping literally in like two days. Yeah. Getting like a month after striking the first one. While, while the iron's hot. Yeah. yeah it's called God. saturation two. Um, they're, yeah, they're on the come up. They're very odd future, like similar to that, which is, uh, Tyler, the creator's album that he released this year might be my favorite album of the year. Oh yeah. That might, yeah. I'm not even exaggerating, but it's a lot more yeah. mature. We'll, we'll definitely have a. We gotta have a whole like, yeah. We'll we'll have an, a, a whole albums favorite albums of 2017. Yeah. But now let's officially get started. We're so happy to have you here for our first episode. Let's get right into it. Movie news. This week we had Movie Pass announce Big that deal. yeah they're dropping their their price down to ten dollars a month for basically unlimited movies. You can watch one movie a day. Yeah. For Every day of a month yeah. for $10 a month. The only caveats are it can't be brand new, and then it also can't be like IMAX, where the ticket's like 20 yeah, bucks. Of course. Yeah, But that's yeah. still... How much was it before? For IMAX? Or yeah, for, for MoviePass? Movie it was like $40 a month exactly. or something. This makes it worth it for the average person. And even if... I don't know. If you just want to see more movies, if you see two movies a month, it's all of a sudden worth it to have this pass. Yeah. yeah. So the second movie just pays for itself. I'm Yeah. That's why I think it's silly that AMC is now fighting this because it's going to get me in the theater more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, definitely. I yeah, would to not, catch, catch like smaller films that yeah. you probably wouldn't yeah. you I mean, know, I, go to. Yeah. That's the only reason I don't go to the movie is because of money. Yeah. I would go to the movies more often. And it's so just now too it's, expensive. Yeah. So this is a great option because they have to compete with the fact that you can... I could get right now. I could Google watch like any watch Dunkirk free, yeah. and I would find it in a second. You don't even have to have like a subscription or anything. It's just on Google, 
So they have to compete with that, and this is the best way to do yeah, it. Yeah, and, and like. theaters have just been scrambling to find ways to get people to come out, you know, with alcohol and whatever, you know, RPX crazy yeah. things to, to try to get people to come out yeah, there. Yeah, they have bars now where it's like 13 bucks for like a double Jack and yeah. Coke. And let, let's just say MoviePass was started by uh, former executives of Netflix. So mm-hmm. they definitely know what they're doing. They know where the future of the industry yeah, is the heading. Yeah, model. Yeah, it they, works. It's, it's a good idea and the one thing that i did want to mention is that amc is trying to fight this they're going through all these lengths to try to keep movie pass from doing their thing including blocking mastercard <laughs> because movie pass uses mastercard for when they give you the actual physical pass My it's a brand. mastercard so AMC is just like, yeah, we're not just we're gonna not accept Mastercard. That's I feel, which is ridiculous. Well, yeah. and I don't know if I told you guys this, but I actually already signed up for Movie Pass. Okay, I'm signed up. They're sending me yeah. a card this week. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm about to do it myself. And what's I amazing mean, is it's not just big theaters. Like there's uh, an art house theater here in town called the Enzian, and you can use the Movie Pass there. That's a big deal. Like that's huge. Yeah, you can that, see smaller, yeah, like exclusive films. films. Um, I think that AMC fighting it is just. They're going to lose that fight. Well, the, yeah, it's, the problem is their execs are probably like, well, profit-wise, it just obviously it's going to cut in. But it, their profits are already plummeting because people don't really go to the yeah, movies Yeah, this year anymore. has been the lowest grossing year for movies yeah. in a long time. So it's them, just like many you know corporations have done with, uh, with Netflix, the exact same thing. They're trying to fight it, and they're not going yeah. to be able to. It's yeah. going to be the future. Uh, subscriptions in general seem like they're the future of everything like food mm-hmm. you know you have your hello fresh in the fridge yeah um sponsorship by hello fresh yeah, yeah so i think that this is not just going to be like some kind of fad i think it's going to catch on and i mean i'm going to do it i think yeah. you're going to do it yeah it just it makes sense it makes sense. You know, you pay a flat fee a month and then you can just go to the movies all you want. I mean, we see What's so the, many yeah. movies anyways. Like, that's such yeah, a great To yeah. bring that cost down and it's, I think, is amazing. I think that the caveats are you can't go opening day and you have to see a movie that's less than two weeks old, I believe. Yeah. It has is, to be like newer releases, but not yeah. like opening yeah, day. Yeah, I don't releases. care about seeing shit opening day, I'll though. see shit on Saturday. Yeah, it's fine. The, the, other, the only other thing is that... Um, MoviePass, ever since announcing this new price point, their website has been struggling to keep up with the sheer amount of people (laughs) trying to sign up. Oh, shit. So, yeah, their problem is that they're too popular. So it's going to work. I mean, it's going to tap into the giant demographic of film pod hosts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There are dozens of us. (laughs) Last night, news broke that a Joker origin movie is being developed over at Warner Brothers, produced by Martin Scorsese, directed by Todd Phillips of The Hangover fame. Okay, but starring, How do you guys f- starring whom, though? Probably Jared fucking Leto. No, no, well, they said that it's probably not going to be Jared Leto. And oh. the, the thing, I think it was on The Hollywood Reporter that I was reading about it. Here, I can pull up uh, the link. Um, this is interesting. No, it was on The Verge that I was reading about it. But yeah, they were saying that more than likely it's not going to be Jared Leto because they're going for a completely different tone. Well, they no. want it to be in the vein of, like, tonally, they want it to be in the vein of Taxi Driver. Okay, R-rated. Very, yeah, that's, R-rated. that was exactly like that's exactly so cool. what they said, which got me really interested yeah. in it. I would but, love an isolated, lonely Joker who just decides I'm going to fucking ruin everything. Yeah, like yeah. really get in his psyche as to what turned a a seemingly normal man into this maniac. Yeah. But, you know, if you think back to the Nolan film, the, the dark Knight, one of the best parts about that film 
is when the Joker starts to hint at his origin. Mm-hmm. You want to know how we yeah. got these scars? Yeah, you only, you only get little he, hints of it. Yeah, he lies about it every time he yeah. talks about it, um, which is the the whole point of like you don't know you, you don't know what his origin is, which mm-hmm. makes it so much more intriguing. Yeah. So we'll see how they. Pull did you see? Uh, did you see who's going to be the screenwriter for it? No, they got a writer now. Uh, Scott Silver, who made the the fighter, wrote and okay. directed the fighter. Okay. Really okay. good movie. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, see this this just brings up a whole nother thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about, which is movie news in general. Yeah, like they announced this film last night, and the whole internet starts blowing up about it. Every podcast starts talking about it, and we may not even see this. It movie. might not ever get made. It may. <laughs> it may. And if it get, does get made, because you know this is a big property, the Joker is one of their biggest characters. Yeah, it may not even involve Martin Scorsese well, yeah, no, exactly. or That's Todd Phillips by the time it comes out. It might out. end up being like, okay, well, Scorsese's out, but hey, we got Zack Snyder. Yeah, like, he's back. You know? And we got Jared Leto return. Yeah. And- That's, yeah, basically a lot of movie news reporting is way preemptive mm-hmm. because a lot of bullshit happens over the course of filming something. And it takes years to film something and do post-production and everything. And everyone just scrambles to want to be the first to yeah. talk about it mm-hmm. before the movie is even... You know, th- this movie is just being planned right now. Like, yeah. they don't even have a script yet or nothing. So that's why... It's no- It's literally nothing right now. That's why on this pod, I aim to not talk about, like, future news that often. Yeah. We except, still should sometimes. Except the Cyborg film coming out in 2020, <laughs> so which hype. was announced so four years ago. <laughs> DC said that Cyborg was going to come out in 2020, and if it doesn't come out in 2020... <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm going to do with yeah. myself. Well, I, I took off work for that year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For I'm, the whole I'm, year. I'm, I plan on seeing it more than 10 times in the theater. Yeah. I'm, I'm oh, busy. Oh, dear God. Um, I think this moves on to a different piece of uh, film news, a movie that I can almost guarantee will come out because it has a much more reputable Disney franchise behind it than DC and Warner Brothers. Star Wars. Star Wars. The Obi-Wan Kenobi film I, starring Ewan McGregor. Possibly? Possibly. That's the thing, is if they get... I don't want them... I don't want it to be a Han Solo situation where they have to recast yeah. young Obi-Wan and it's just like some kid who you learn has to have a fucking screenwriting coach yeah. come in when they're already done with the movie. <laughs> so Disney basically refuses to give us new stories with their Star Wars brand and they're just going to keep rehashing what is already well, established. I mean, Disney is a corporation end of the day and, and what, they have to sell toys. Yeah, and, and what yeah, and what yeah. makes money is shit that people already like. Yep. If you don't introduce anything new, then it can't fail. That's what, what they think. I mean, did it you might know suck, but it will make money. And it's proven plan- true so far. Mm-hmm. They've announced plans for movies through 2030s. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Um, they're planning for 20 years down the road what toys they're going to be selling. It's going to be an origin of every single character in yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Origin of much. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, Jar Jar Origins. Dude, if we get... Okay, let me just say this now on episode one of We Bought a Mic. If we get a Jar Jar film, solo film that is in the style of Logan with an old <laughs> grizzled Jar Jar... That'll be the greatest Star Wars yeah. movie ever made. I'm going to made. kill myself in the theater. And, and he's like training like a little girl, Jar Jar, who's like her superpower is that she's equally annoying. <laughs> how, he's like, whoa, you got to learn how to master that. How great would that be, though, if you're just like in some uh, gr- like old, you know, dirty cantina in the Star Wars universe <laughs> and then you pan over to an old Jar Jar yeah. and he's just, just like, fuck. <laughs> First word he says. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Me so fuck! 
I mean, I really, I don't know even how to feel about an Obi-Wan movie. Obi-Wan, of course, is like one of my favorite characters, but as long as Ewan McGregor comes out, I'm down for it. I don't really have any strong feelings on uh, Stephen Daldry. Is that the, the that's plan the, director? The plan director. He made a Billy Elliot oh, musical. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. See, don't really have any strong opinions on him. All right. So what do you guys think about Galaxy Quest on Amazon, written by our boy from uh, the League fame, Mr. Paul Shearer? Paul Shearer. Yeah, the league, the how also, did... has, he also, he has his own podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. Friend how of the pod. Friend Good of the pod. Podcast. <laughs> Solid pod. Um. I am ex- I love Galaxy Quest. It was it's one of my favorite like it's it's in this weird zone of like it's about like 75% parody. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's Guys, not- if you've never seen Galaxy Quest, this is a film about the cast of a Star Trek type uh TV movie. Is it a TV show or a movie? It's it's like I think it's, it's a TV it's show. It's a mocking of Star Trek really yeah. and it's after the show got canceled. Yeah, so it's this cast that gets brought back. Amazing cast. And you know, you got you got Tim Allen, you got the late Alan Rickman, Sigourney, uh Sigourney, uh Sam Rockwell, yeah. Yeah. all these great stars playing actors in of a sci-fi show and they come back and it turns out that the show is real. Aliens are actually attacking the earth and these actors have to deal with the impending doom of an alien attack yeah, so as I'm, the characters of the show. That's fun. It's a good, I mean, I'm a fan of anything that's kind of like meta. That's like a lens away from a lens where you're showing the people who are doing, making something that people would watch in a different universe. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. Overall, I'm really excited for it. I trust Paul Shear. He's a funny dude. He's very incredibly productive. So I know he's going to put a lot of work. Into he it. wrote a lot well, of episodes of the league. Yeah, no, he is working twenty four. If you look at his IMDb, he is always doing something. He was in Human Giant with Rob Hubel and Aziz back in the day. That's how they got big. Um, and then he got the role in the league, and he was one of the, he was consistently one of the best characters in that. He can write, he can act. One time I listened to a podcast where people do table reads of like the first sketch they ever wrote, and he read his first sketch that he ever wrote. And it was the it was the worst thing I've ever heard. But he's progressed <laughs> since then. That was just a little aside because it was so bad. But that that just shows that comedy writing is hard. And now he's good. Like you just if you do something enough, you get good. I mean, they actually they just announced that Paul Shear was taking over for uh, Robert Gordon, the original writer. And I'm much more excited that it's in Paul Shear's hands. Is I mean, not to trash Robert Gordon or anything like that, but. I feel like Paul Shear is more of an advanced and like a modern sense of comedy and everything. Yeah, and if you, I mean, if you listen to How Did This Get Made, you know that he is above yeah. of film and TV. He knows everything, so it's good that he's taking something that's already existed because he's not going to destroy it. He's not going to desecrate the corpse. But where yeah. do you guys think he's going to take this story? Is it going to be the same characters? Is it going to be like I mean, a, a no lens Alan away Rickman. from a lens from a lens? Like how? <laughs> like how is he going to do this? Maybe maybe it'll be Tim Allen comes back and he is as Tim Allen says he is persecuted in Hollywood like a Jew oh in, in 1940s Germany. That's <laughs> Jesus, what he said. Man. It's like being a conservative in Hollywood today. Oh Jesus That's, Christ! He proved his he proved <gasps> the opposite point. <laughs> yeah. Give a home improvement. <laughs> so if you didn't like conservatives, then <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I uh, honestly, uh, I think it'd be hilarious if they brought back all the original cast, except they did like a wet hot American summer style thing where they recast Alan Rickman as like fucking just some random. <laughs> that would be okay, but they're like, you got a nose job, the, right? The thing oh, is that Bradley my. Cooper isn't dead, Hunter, so it's not <laughs> insulting. So it's not He's insulting. dead to David Wayne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's not like literally just shitting on a dead yeah. body. 
All right, guys. One CGI last Alan Rickman. <laughs> one last little bit of movie news to get to. Uh, AMC is being sued by the creators of The Walking Dead. Like, this is a huge, huge lawsuit because there are multiple people involved, including the creator of The Walking Dead comics, Robert Kirkman. So him and the other, you know, executive producers of the show are suing AMC because they think that AMC has robbed them of millions and millions, probably hundreds of millions of dollars because The Walking Dead is the biggest show on television. Like Game of Thrones doesn't compare to The Walking Dead because Game of Thrones is on premium yeah, cable. It's behind mm-hmm. a paywall. Walking Dead like it's people, massive. Yeah, I I haven't watched it in years. Everyone at work watches it. Like every if you just talk to someone, some random person, they watch it yeah. usually. And it's a bad show at this point. Like <laughs> no, it's, it's not, not good. It's, it's so it's like bad. it's just since like season three I'll, when I watch it, all I get vibes of is like, all right, let's stretch this. Like, yeah. we got to make this money while it's still hot. Exactly. The There's last, no end in sight. They're the, going to keep making this show forever. The last arc that I watched of The Walking Dead was the whole thing with the governor, and it was just stretched out so long. And then I watched like the episode or two after the governor. I don't remember if that was after that was like, the prison yeah. or I don't know. It, it was all a runs long time together. Ago. Yeah, just, I know I'm like seasons yeah. and seasons behind, but I was just done with it. It just it reeks of being the opposite of like a show like Breaking Bad where every episode matters. And yeah, you can't and it all out, amounts yeah, to like, this big climax. You can't you can't take out an episode of Breaking Bad really. Yeah. Like it's it all is essential. Most of Walking Dead is not essential. Yeah. Like it doesn't really I don't know. You just watch it and you're like, they they just had to fill up an episode. They just had to fill up an hour. Yeah, because the, the seasons are huge. They have like full, what, 22 season episodes? or 22 yeah. seasons every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty um, much. It's just, yeah, It's at this point it's become bigger than the quality indicates, which is true of most things that are yeah, big. But essentially they're bringing in so much money that AMC just decided to cheat the creators out of a huge chunk of it because they're like, well, we're already making hundreds of millions of dollars off of this show. So, you know, it it doesn't, you're already rich. Like we don't have to give you your fair cut. And, you know, these, these producers are like, okay, we we're entitled to a certain percentage of the, the profits of the show. Yeah. So it's basically just rich people fighting over money. But this lawsuit could <laughs> fuck over AMC. Yeah. If really, they lose, really hard. if they lose, it's going to be, they're going to owe these uh, execs like a billion dollars. Like to the point, like they might have to sell it's AMC over. to yeah. some other. And then other. AMC is not going to be able <laughs> to make not. shows as good as Halt and Catch Fire. What? Because Walking Dead is the reason why they can make a show like Halt and Catch Fire. Mm-hmm. You know, because they, they have, have so much money that they can put all they can just give the creators of a show like Halt and Catch Fire the free yeah. reign to just do whatever they Which want. Which was a show that needed time to get yeah. good and so they could afford to give that time and also amc has kind of has a history of keeping shows that have good critical ratings but bad tv ratings because they know it's good yeah, yeah. which yeah. yeah some networks do that some networks don't so halden catch fire is a show that just started its fourth and final season on amc 
it stars our baby boy, our 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 child, our son, Scoot McNally. Shout out, shout out to Scoot. Uh, we he, love you, Scoot. You may know him as the suicide bomber in Batman. <laughs> BBS. Yeah, BBS. The, the the wheelchair guy in Batman vs Superman. Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis, soon to be in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yes, up Lee and Pace, who is one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood right now, who was buried under layers and layers of makeup in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, completely wasted. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, you don't know. It's Lee Pace. And then um, Donna. Who plays Donna? <laughs> Donna is... Who plays Donna? Carrie Bechet. Carrie Bechet. Carrie yeah, Bechet. Yeah. Very, very good. Great. Her arc has been one of the greatest in the Her show. Her arc is probably the most extreme yeah. of any so this is this is a show that's been going on for, you know, this is its fourth year now, and it's told the story of basically the dawn of the modern computer tech era and, mm-hmm. and the internet. And yeah, and some of the characters involved with trying to get a, basically a foot in the door of these, you know... When it became an industry that was worth billions, yeah, these people are just trying to like. In, every season, the show changes a lot, and the focus of it changes. So they have had a foot in like the computers. They've had a foot in the creating browsers. They've had a foot in video games at this point. Yeah, the first season was uh, Lee Pace and Scoop McNary's character making the first. Uh, basically portable computer, yeah. like the first, first laptop. laptop. Yeah, the first yeah. consumer computer. They basically invented Dell, essentially. Yeah, they invented the computer that you have at home instead of having just at your office. Yeah. It stays there. And then season two, they made the genius move of shifting the focus over to the female characters, yeah. mm-hmm. Donna and Cameron. Yeah, and it wasn't just a move for like progress, just for progress's sake. It, de- it really progressed the story in a good way. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because yeah. they... Donna and uh, Mackenzie Davis ended up, they were living in like a house with a bunch of, you know, like, millen- not millennial, but like young computer programmers. Yeah. Gen uh, X. Yeah, just making, yeah, <laughs> fucking Gen Xers. They're killing the computer industry. Um, but yeah, they, they it, it was just a lot juicier and like more kind of diverse of a plot than just two white guys trying to make something great. Yeah. That's that's like most shows if you really and think it, about it, it. The the show became bigger than itself essentially because it it almost became like a meta story about uh women in television taking charge that's a good point. and leading this this new area of like prestige TV. Mm-hmm. You know, Halt and Catch Fire is the show that is one of the best shows on television, but nobody watches nobody it oh, yeah. because there is just way too much out there that gets all of the attention. Yeah, it has the leftovers dilemma. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, it's not it's yeah, the leftovers dilemma also is as not very marketable. Yeah, like you need yeah. you need more than you need a paragraph to explain it in full, and people read a sentence if they're reading like a logline of a TV show. Yeah, so they're just not gonna get hooked. And I mean, people at this point. It, if it would have gotten really, really heavy marketing and push from AMC at the beginning, it might have done better. But it's a character drama on its fourth season. That's now. the thing because it switches focus on characters uh, very often. It's become a true ensemble character show. Oh yeah, which is not so. There, there's no action set pieces. There's no big yeah. CGI moments or anything like that. It's all about the acting and the writing, and that's what makes it one of the best shows on TV yeah. because it excels at these very small and minute levels about characters interacting with each other mm-hmm. and how you know we've gotten to know them over the past four years and everything that they've gone mm-hmm. through like these feel like real people yeah. you know we 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 just watched this season four premiere the other night and it was so it just hit so close to home yeah you really care this, about them yeah seeing how they've progressed you know this this new season is seven years after 
the end of the third season and you really get a sense of how their lives have how yeah. their lives have changed and everything that's gone yeah. on. So let's talk about the premiere. What did you guys think of it overall? I loved it. I really loved it a lot too. I mean, of course, every season has its own arc because a thing about the show is they have time jumps mm-hmm. that big time jumps. Major time like this one was seven years. This was the biggest time it jump. It was eight years. It was something it, like it w- I think it was like maybe six or seven. It's not 100% clear. Yeah. I think the, the, the biggest um, tell we have is uh, Gordon and Donna's daughters because they They're were way yeah. older. Yeah. In season three, they were like maybe 10, 11, yeah. and now they're like 16, 17. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the biggest tell we have. Um, the earlier seasons had only jumped about a year, year and a half mm-hmm. between seasons. Uh, but one thing that this new that this premiere does really well is it kind of backtracks a little bit and it starts with a cool like Birdman esque, um, yeah, you great know, like long shot, long shot that kind of recaps the the time jump and it shows you how Gordon and Joe have been working on this web browser over the ca- last couple years, mm-hmm. and Gordon has been building this internet service provider company by himself as Joe yeah. is locked he away the in the basement. Company. Yeah, he's locked away in the basement just working on a browser while Gordon is upstairs making a whole, like, internet co- mm-hmm. company. Um, yeah, so as far as the premiere goes, overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought, usually with Halt and Catch Fire, there's their premieres are the worst episodes, and then every season has kind of a crescendo where it just gets better and better. And in the beginning, you're like, kind of, why am I watching this? And then by the end of it, you're fucking in it. Yeah. That's happened to me every season I've watched it. Yeah, because it kind of recalibrates every new season. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, right now, all the... Sh- pieces shift and we have completely different character dynamics exactly so i thought the fact that it was good uh is a really good indicator for where it's going to go because if it crescendos like every other season it's going to end up the best it's been yeah and it's the final season so this is it you know this is the end game um as far as yeah joe's it's been seven years and Joe's just been chilling in a basement. Like I thought that he didn't really get that much. I don't know. Well, he, 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 he built, AIDS. he basically built uh, McAfee, like the equivalent of like antivirus mm-hmm. software in season three. Yeah. Macmillan. And yeah. Macmillan. Yeah. <laughs> and that company failed. And now he's just, yeah, he's what's, at the bottom. What's so amazing about this show is the characters have all gotten dramatically more successful since the beginning, but they're always like one step short. There's always some other company out there that's better than them because yeah. nobody ever cares about who's first when it comes to technology. They cares about who is better. Yeah. That's what lasts and that's yeah. what people and remember. every Yeah, every season they're, they're on the cusp of like the biggest thing and you're like, They're Come like on. sitting there, like this season they're just like, what if we like had this way to index the internet? And you're yeah. like, like a you're search Google. Google. engine. You're thinking of Google. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and you know they're not going to get it. They're not going to do exactly. it. Yeah. That's what I think. I was I was talking to you about this, how I hope that that's not the curse of the show. Because at the end, you want them to have something. You want them to invent like something huge. But so far, they've been like, they mention all these brands. But if they invent one of these brands, they're rewriting history, which those brands might object to. Yeah. So I don't know how what the end game is of this show. Like I think I think the end game is just the characters and their relationships. I think that's mm-hmm. what makes the show so good. That's a good point. And how this new season sets up Joe and Cameron finally, you know, reconciling and and hopefully ending up together because that's that's apparently what the creators want, and it yeah. makes sense. They're you know they've been through so much. Honestly, guys, if you love good TV, if you love 
good writing and good characters and 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 strong acting and and directing and cinematography watch halt and catch fire you on will AMC. not regret it like, it just started its final season so good. you can hop right in and watch this final season and then go back and watch the other three you'll be fine it's Trust very me, solid overall is, it's just a solid it's show. on netflix too isn't it's it? all first three seasons are on netflix this is going to be probably one of my favorite shows of the year I, I i'm really confident that they're going to stick this landing and and i can't wait Unlike a different show oh, on television, time to transition to disappointment. Game of Thrones on the home box office network HBO. Mm. Uh, we just watched episode six the other night. Beyond the Wall. Drew, you don't watch Game of Thrones, so you can't wait. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, one third of the input here. I don't okay. care. I don't yeah, give a Drew, fuck about Drew you. has okay. Drew has kind of chimed in. He he's not really a watcher, but he's he's caught us watching the show yeah. a couple and times. I, I mean, and yeah, every, literally everyone talks about it, so I know plenty. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I don't understand why I just can't get into it. Pete Holmes. Has, he went on Conan and he had a little bit about why he's not into it. And it almost relates to me where he's like, he's like, when I hear realms, I just turn my ears off. <laughs> <laughs> where it's like, oh, you have to take this to Northshire. And you're like, okay, well, I don't, I can't relate to that. <laughs> yeah. This is a show that started out directly adapting the novels by George R. R. Martin. And it was doing them almost exactly. Almost perfectly. Yeah. Like, like you were, it was just brought to life straight from the page. And George was very heavily involved up until about maybe season four. Season four was when he left. But he season wrote, five and six were still really good. Yeah, he wrote some episodes even. Yeah. So he was there. He he gave tons of input to the creators. Um, but it, it, it's just gotten to the point where the show has outpaced the books. You know, they're having to make up story because yeah. there's no more story to yeah. adapt. And from what I've seen, they're just getting more absurd and what's what's yeah. crazy is i had the idea going into the season especially the first couple episodes of the season were really good and i was thinking to myself you know maybe this could be better than the original show because now db white db and um benny hoff benny off aren't like they're, they're unhinged not, yeah they're not they don't Unchained. have to just follow what a story that's already been told they can do original Streamline writing it. they can just yeah, when I saw seven episodes for se- season seven, six episodes for season eight, I thought it was going to be like event television yeah. when these episodes came on. And now and- we're one episode short of finishing the penultimate season. And what what do we think? Hunter? Okay, so I uh, I was listening to a podcast, Cast of Kings, uh, with Joanna Robinson and David Chen. And uh-huh. Friends of the Pod. Friends of the Pod. And... Um, they were talking about the I think it was an email in that they got that is the best metaphor that I've heard for Game of Thrones so far. Game of Thrones is popcorn, but it was once steak. Exactly. In that it's still really good and it's enjoyable. It's one of the best shows on TV. It's still re- yeah, exactly. It has the budget of like Marvel films exactly. and Star Wars films. They have looks so much money. All the action sequences and stuff, but it's fun. It's just a fun, See, and it's very surface level, and it, it was yes. once but it savory. Used, it used to be so deep and layered and meticulous. It, that's what made it so but good. The thing is, Game of Thrones has become an institution at this point. It's huge. Yeah, it's a pop culture yeah. phenomenon. And guess what? Once you become that big, guess what sells? Like, big. Yeah, CGI action yeah. set pieces. Layers don't sell. Onions don't sell. Yeah. You know what sells? Apples. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> 
That's the worst analogy this I've ever made. This podcast is brought to you by apples. <laughs> Hungry for apples? <laughs> um, My man. But when I saw, I, I watched an episode with you guys, that the one that had that massive war fight scene where uh, Daenerys came in with the dragons. Yeah. That uh, Are you talking about the spo- uh, spoil... The or are you talking about the most recent episode? No, 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 no. no, no. no. The one where she, uh, where train, yeah, train, train. exactly. Yeah, Yeah. that the vibe I got from that episode as an outsider was like it was way different from the episodes I've seen beforehand. It was it just like you said, it wasn't very layered. It just it looked great. It was just big, fun, and yet like kind of dumb. Yeah, but the potential was still there. With an episode like that, we could have had an episode where Jamie tries to be a kingslayer again yeah and fails and dies it could have been incredible but game of thrones at this point they're so huge they're so popular and the stars are at this you know massive level of popularity that hbo is terrified of killing them off oh yeah and basically all of these characters are now safe and they will they won't die i don't know if they will ever die at this point game of thrones used to be the show that killed off its main character, and it did it with Ned Stark in season one. But like, I don't think. But it it wasn't like The Walking Dead, as we were talking about earlier. It didn't have that level of gimmickiness to it, where, where it, it kind of like, cheats you. Yeah, it cheats yeah. you. Yeah, and it's just but like, now we're it kill is. Him just to kill him. It was these characters made a crucial mistake. They made a really bad decision. And it cost them their life. And it cost them their life. It was very realistic to actual war. And there were multiple points in the most recent episode where there were characters that should have died. Yeah. John drowns in ice water. The second time that character should have died, should have drowned this season. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, no, we're fine. So many Deus Ex Machinas. Yeah. Just, just just one after another. I mean, yeah, Jamie getting pushed out of the way into the water yeah. right when he's about to get dragged to death. Yeah, this I the but thing. But I will say, I I actually love, it's uh, spoils of war is the name of that episode. That was the episode that I think it took a shift in the series because up to that point, even that episode, I loved that episode because everything leading up to that final battle. And we still was had great. hope that the show, you know, would. Keep hold. That was before the stupid ass Tyrion plan. That was his dumbest plan yet. Yeah. We won't go into too much specifics in case you guys aren't caught up on Game of Thrones. It's, I mean, the only monoculture thing in our society today. But if yeah, you're literally the last show that, <laughs> that our society will watches. ever watch together. <laughs> but you know, before before we move on, I just want to say that Game of Thrones has really, really disappointed me with this new season because it's their most expensive season it's their most visually impressive season ever like we're getting all these beautiful beautiful dragon shots like mm-hmm. just incredible Looks better cgi than any movie it's dragon, insane like... but the story is bad and dumb and it makes no sense and it betrays everything that has come before and and all of the rules that have been established for this fantasy world it's all being thrown out the window and it sucks. Yeah, it, I mean, it well, it goes to show that some of the best parts in classic Game of Thrones were just learning about these characters while they're just traveling from one destination to another. And the fact that this season is three episodes shorter, so th- this season's three episodes shorter, so characters just fucking time travel around everywhere. You don't get that intimate time in between battles with these characters yeah. where it's just two characters traveling down King's road, talking to each other. 
Sorry if you uh, if you hear some bumps and clumps. That's my uh, my doggy boy Anubis. Yeah. The audience is like, "What's up with all those clumps?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what's all those bumps and clumps and dumps? Um, uh, Anubis is the baby boy. Yeah, the puppy's playing with a soccer ball under the table. But anyway, you know, Game of Thrones still a great show. I'm still gonna finish watching it. I'm not gonna give up on it like I did with The Walking Dead. There was one last thing I did want to mention is some of the creators chimed in on all the backlash that has been going on online. And uh, the director of the newest episode, Alan Taylor, he said, basically said, um, there's there was an article on the AV Club and Variety about it. And he said, yeah, I know that the timeline was really fudged with Gendry having to run to the wall and then the raven being sent and then the dragons having to come all the way back to the wall. But... You know, this is a really popular show, oh. and people people are still gonna watch it. So fuck you. I don't really care. That's essentially what he that's said. Ass. That's I'm gonna, honestly, ass. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read the direct quote that he said. Um, well, that's that's kind of what I was talking about. When you get that big, it's like what percent of our audience cares about this little ticky tacky bullshit thing? But we we love the show so much. That's why we're being so hard on it. Oh yeah, if, because it it's proven us that is one of the best shows on television and we want to be critical of it and we want it to be good. Yeah. But the direct quote from Taylor is it's cool that the show is so important to so many people that it's being scrutinized so thoroughly. If the show was struggling, I'd be worried about these concerns, but the show (laughs) seems to be doing pretty well. So it's okay to have people with those concerns. That's, that's a shitty answer. I will say like, He's directed some good episodes before in his past, but I think this episode really, really needed Miguel Saponic. The director of some of the best episodes. Of Hard Home, Battle of the Bastards, um, uh, the... The Winds of Winter. Winds of Winter. Winds of Winter. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, because the thing is, is, I mean... We'll go ahead and kind of spoil the latest episode, but nobody really dies except for one kind of major character. And none of it is clear. And like, it's, thing, it's yeah, framed it's very, very unclearly. The only people who die on this journey with them are literally nobodies who yeah. they don't have a name. They don't say we, a single line. We never get a shot of them. They're all wearing hoods. So you see them get pulled back and you're like, oh my God, is that torment? Oh no, it's just yeah. some faceless dude. who. Yeah. I have no there, there's a, there's is. a shot where like John lets one of them fall into a horde of zombies and yeah. you're just like, oh, there goes, uh, that, that guy. That guy. <laughs> there goes hooded man number three. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they, they wanted to kill people to have the sense of danger, but the show is still too scared to kill off any main characters. And mm-hmm. I guess we'll see, you know, what happens next week in the final episode and we'll let you guys know what we think. But so far, Game of Thrones has proven to be uh, a, uh, a consequence of uh, its own popularity. All I right. still have some faith. I'm not. I'm not counting. Yeah, I, mean, I want to see the season finale. We're gonna see if anything and then major we'll wait, surprising happens. We'll wait until 2019 when the <laughs> when the final season comes on. Or every right. episode's two and a half hours long. <laughs> okay, so since I didn't chime in in that segment much, it's very apropos that our next segment is about Brigsby Bear. No, no, it's not. What Rick and Morty? Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Oh. We're gonna talk some Rick and uh-huh. Morty before we get to Brigsby Bear, Drew. I want to talk. 
Okay, whatever. Okay. So, I mean, I, I can talk a lot about Rick and Morty all Before day. we get to our main review of Brigsby Bear, we're going to talk a little bit about... This is smart the, because you keep people listening because they're like, I got to hear that Brigsby Bear review, you know? <laughs> we're yeah, gonna, all five people who listen to this podcast have Snyder's all seen like, God Bear. damn it. Let's talk about season three of Rick and Morty. It's been pretty good so far some hits and some misses i really think the newest episode was one of the strongest ones oh, we yeah. had our first rick and jerry adventure I, i've been Which waiting I, for that i knew that there was going to be like an almost jerry solo episode yeah. at the beginning of the season because we really needed that yeah i mean and it was it was amazing we, yeah up to this point we'd only gotten like a taste of jerry like and it was very sad whenever we saw him like we saw him outside the garage the day that um Summer and uh, Morty went with Rick into the portal and they did the crazy Mad Max episode. Um, so all, up to this point, all we had seen Jerry as is like, first of all, he's been the voice of reason, which is very new um, compared to Beth. He's been the one being like, hey, why are you putting our kids in danger of death all the time? So he he's never been right before. And he's kind of right now, even though the show would obviously be over if they did that. And like they didn't go on adventures with Rick anymore. Um, but that's why this episode was so necessary, and I was so excited to see it. I miss Jerry. Yeah. I miss Jerry, too. Yeah. Jerry, you know, he sucks, but... <laughs> he's, he's great, though. <laughs> we, we miss him anyway. If, if any of you listeners don't know, Rick and Morty is a show on Adult Swim created by Justin Rowland and Dar- Dan Harmon, uh, Dan Harmon of Community Fame on NBC, this crazy creative genius, and it's the story of a... Uh, you know, a spin on Back to the Future, Doc and and Marty, except it's Rick and Morty, and it's <laughs> one of the best animated shows ever made. Yeah, it's it's insanely smart and creative and funny. It's so good. If you were a fan of Community, which not many people were, but that show has spoken to me since I was about fourteen years old. It's been like one of the biggest shows in my life, uh, and so to see. Because what Dan Harmon always did with Community is he wanted to make it more than a sitcom. Like he, it was always bold. Yeah, and it was he was always bound by the constraints of what he had to do. Yeah. And he he said eventually he was kind of like fuck you. And so they did a bunch of crazy stuff. They would do a bunch of genre parody episodes, action movie episodes, paintball war episodes, uh, documentary episodes, things like that, just to escape the form that they were stuck in. And so an even better way of escaping that form is by going to cartoons. Yeah, because you, you're not bound by any yeah. actor schedules or, or you know, production yeah, your, snafus. Your, your budget budgets. can be less yeah. and you can literally, you can portray anything you the mind can imagine. You can be anywhere. You can be anywhere in the universe, you know, and you don't have to pay for like a Cronenberg type to actually make Cronenberg masks. You can just draw it. You just draw it and it's beautiful. Yeah. And Um, it's bold and creative. So I think that this uh, medium is really what he's been waiting for to like really unleash his creativity and then combine with Justin Roiland's vision of... And his voice. Justin Roiland does the voice of Rick and Morty. And and like half of the extras as well. Um, so combining Dan Harmon's genius and his, he knows structure. He wants to break that structure, but he knows it to a T combining that with Justin Roiland has kind of a crazy edge to him. He does the voices and he was the artistic director. Uh, so that the combination of the two is, it makes for like one of the top five shows on television right now. Yeah. Not just an animated show, just any half hour comedy period. Yeah. It's, it's so good. And it tackles all these um, existential questions mm-hmm. and, and 
just absurd situations that it puts the characters in. But, you know, guys, we have been waiting for this third season for a year and a half. Mm. And now we're five episodes in? Yeah. Let's do a quick recap of the eps so far. Like, what did it start with? Well, the first, the first one was... Uh, the April Fool's Yeah, it was. Came it, out. it came out yeah. all the way back in April. Um, and that one... That one was... Maybe was my it was all favorite. plot. Yeah. It was... Well, yeah. this whole this season... This whole season's very plot heavy. Yeah. They're the leaning very time. heavily into the plot. And I think... It's taken a little while to get used to, but at this point, five episodes in, yeah. I think we're all used it's to just, it being. Yeah, it's going to have fewer like absurdist jokes because the jokes that they do have a lot of the time tie into the overarching plot of what's happening, yeah. which like for the Mad Max episode, which was, I believe, the third one. Second. Mm-hmm. Second one? Second episode. That the jokes like where Morty, you know, ends up getting like an enlarged arm and he ends up taking out his anger on his dad on these people in this yeah. Thunderdome. It's all linked to, yeah. to how uh, Morty is dealing with a divorce. Yeah. And I, I, I would really, say that was my least favorite episode of really? this of this season so far. I thought that uh, the best balance between having an individual episode arc and uh Lending to the overall plot of everything was in episode four with the Vindicators. That was great. Part three. That's, it that was episode. a great mocking of Avengers and superhero culture in general, but at the same time also just speaking to Morty's relationship with Rick. Yeah, that was definitely the most uh, standalone kind of vintage, if you can call it vintage at this point. It, <laughs> that was the one that could most be in like season one or two. Yeah. Um, it has, yeah, it has great genre parody that he shits all over the Avengers. He has good points about it, whether or not you like the Avengers. Um, my favorite is when he, he does like the saw game where you have, you have <laughs> to label yourself. Yeah, you have to assign a label to every character and they all tragic backstory. Yeah. It never gives up. Like yeah. doesn't work well with others <laughs> and how those all relate to every single character. Cause that is very true. Yeah. I mean, overall, I think this season is not as outlandish as the other ones. I, I think um, Pickle Rick, though, Pickle, Pickle Rick, Rick was definitely Pickle the most that the was most cool. out there. That yeah. was insane. That was it goes full like diehard action movie. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that they they really took their time with that one to give us a a, a more you know mm-hmm. traditional Rick and Morty yep. episode. Also, it's worth noting that Adult Swim has, is in the midst of kind of a, a scandal because none of their showrunners are women. Literally zero. And in the off season between seasons two of three and Rick and Morty, they added three women to their writing staff and they wrote the Vindicators episode, the Pickle Rick episode, and the most recent one. Yeah, at so least. at nice. this point, half the Rick and Morty writer's room is is female. Yeah, and it's working out great because those were all very, very good episodes. Um, so what the, what the fuck, Adult Swim? Yeah. Um, all right, guys, that's what we've been watching. We're going to take a quick break right before we get to our review of Briggs Briggs Be Back. All right, I got to pee, Hunter. Open your mouth. It's time to talk about uh, hold on. the greatest. Oh no! The best. The, the gold, most impressive. The golden boy. The sexiest. Our our collective obsession for the past like four years or so 
Mr. Um, Kyle Mooney. I'm just gonna throw this guitar. My guitar. Throw, throw this guitar, guitar onto our dog. You just smash the guitar on the ground. <laughs> My baby. It's in so many pieces. So, Kyle Mooney, his his portfolio uh, ranges across multimedia, multi everything over many years. He started, I would say, around 2007 on YouTube uh, with his sketch group, where he went to he went to USC film school. Uh, and there he met uh, Beck Bennett and Nick Rutherford, who were the two other members of his sketch group, Good Neighbor. Now YouTube boys. Good yeah. Neighbor stuff. Their director was Kyle's longtime friend from elementary school, even Dave McCary. Um, he now is the director of Brigsby Bear, the new indie comedy slash dramedy movie that we just saw in theaters. It has a very limited release. But it's it's been slowly rolling out over the last couple yeah. of weeks. So at this point, it should be out nationwide um, via Fox Searchlight, which is yeah. 20th Century Fox, like indie yes. side studio. Um, but suffice to say, you should check and see if this is anywhere near you because it's worth seeing. Um, whether or not you know Kyle by name, you've probably seen some form of his work at some point. Just for the fact that this is an original film. You know, an original skin screenplay written yes. by a very, very talented guy. Yeah, and we'll. I am fully committed to the idea that we're gonna have a Kyle episode of this podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. we have to. We're have gonna one. go through all of his YouTube portfolio, all of his videos, because because there's a lot to tackle there. He's done, like. Anyone who likes Kyle was not very surprised by how good this movie was. He's yeah. very talented. Um, and we knew that he was talented from like before he got an SNL or anything like that. Yeah, like, from YouTube. I remember us sitting around the dorms just watching Kyle videos for like six hours mm, and I, just being like, this guy yeah, is special. Like yeah. he's going to make it. I discovered Kyle probably like my, my sophomore year of high school. And I was like, this guy is doing shit no one else is doing. He's probably on the Mount Rushmore of YouTube sketch comedy, but his stuff has aged a whole lot better than like Derek comedy, like Donald Glover's group. Uh, you Jack's can, films. Yeah, you can rewatch Kyle's stuff and it still is fresh. Uh, Derek comedy a lot. Of I mean, we had old. we had you know runs where we would watch Kyle's videos over and over and yeah. over. There'd they, be parts where insanely rewatchable. There'd be parts where instead of flaming the ox cord on a car trip with uh, we music, would, we, we would play <laughs> Kyle videos because yeah, we've seen them so many times. We could just hear the audio to it, and that's yeah. all that we needed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we were all, needless to say, very excited for this movie when it came out, and it. I for me, it. I really enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting the best movie of our generation, but I think it, overall it was a very good movie. Yeah, I think we should just say right off the bat, you know, Brigsby Bear was made because Kyle got on SNL. Yeah. Like Kyle and Beck were picked up from YouTube by Lorne Michaels and the guys over at NBC to be on Saturday Night Live. And, and they've been there the last three years or so pretty much filling in the gap that the Lonely Island yeah. guys left. Because the Lonely Island introduced the concept of pre-taped things, like taking up, Digital a, shorts. Yeah, taking up a significant portion of every episode. Yeah. And it proved very fruitful because the, all of their videos went incredibly viral, more viral than any. Yeah, like, Lazy li Sunday. Yeah, and like Jizz in My Pants, I'm on a boat, yeah. all that stuff. Got huge, huge YouTube numbers for NBC. And then all those guys, you know, they moved on after five, six years at SNL. Yeah. They left the show. And then and Kyle and his boys joined, except for Nick. Nick got it was the odd man out. Aww. The other three, including the director Dave, got on the show. 
Beck at this point is one of the main like he's probably their most used. Male. He fits into the SNL cast yeah. very well. Yeah, yeah he's, fits he's in more that versatile. a lot better than Kyle. Yeah, yeah, he's versatile. He can play the dad. He can play the son. He can play yeah. whoever. Beck Bennett is is your pretty much like every man sort of cast. Yeah, uh, he's the new Taron Killam. Yeah, if you will, and or or Sudeikis. Yeah. yeah. What's kind of sad is that, I mean, I love Kyle's sketches and everything that he does, but his humor really is not for everybody. So I think, I mean, I'm happy he got on SNL because, of course, Brigsby Bear. He hasn't been, been able to, to do his full Kyle. Most of his stuff is stuff that gets cut for time that ends yeah. up on YouTube. And they're all hilarious, oh, but yeah. you can totally understand why they're getting cut or yeah. why all of his sketches are showing up at like the 1115 slot yeah. on SNL. You mean 115. 115. Um, that's what I meant. But yeah. even. Even when it does make the air, it tends with the audience. It doesn't land. They it, the audience is a bunch of rich tourists and or people who stood in line for two days. Most of those people do not are not familiar yeah. with this type of anti- people who have had a full day doing New York things. And yeah, and it's just it's anti comedy. It's yeah. not for everyone. A lot of it is. And yeah. So he hasn't really. Well, found let's just let's just say that I don't think we've seen full Kyle on SNL. Like we've come close to it. Yeah. You know, with some of the weirder sketches uh, yeah, that he, he's managed to do. They're with. finally learning how to use him best. Like, of course, him and um, his whole, like, relationship uh, sketch that he does with, with, um, Leslie, Jones. with Leslie Jones yeah, yeah. is incredible. Yeah, yeah that's the probably the funniest thing. sketch that was on saga. SNL this and, past season. And then his original pre-tape stuff, including the weird, bizarro 90s uh, sitcom parodies. Yes. Those, those <laughs> always land. Those are always hilarious. Um, but overall, in general, we were just we'll we'll tackle this in the Kyle app, the Kyle series of apps. We're gonna start a new podcast for Kyle. <laughs> Talking Kyle. Yeah. But for this one, let's just get into Brigsby Bear. Um, so the premise of it, I was excited for because it's very Kyle. It's about a kid. Uh, how much should we spoil? First of all, okay. okay well, we're not we're not gonna get into spoilers. I don't want to talk. Later any, I don't want to talk any plot specifics because going into this film, I looked up no promotion. Yeah, we didn't want to know anything. I didn't want to know anything plot wise. I just want to talk about overall vibes that this yeah, movie gave me. Yeah. It made me laugh. It made me cry multiple times. I cried more than I laughed. Yeah, no, like it. Mm-hmm. It really hits you on an emotional level because you really, really sympathize with this character. And I can't recommend this movie yeah, enough. Yeah, I think the main thing that all you listeners should know is that the best thing about Brigsby Bear is that it's not Kyle, the YouTuber on the big screen. It's not. Yeah. It's not even Good Neighbor the movie. No. You know, we be, because it's we not, know it's not goofball. We know that that those guys had a show lined up at Comedy Central, the Good Neighbor show. And they decided to drop that in favor of going over to NBC yeah. and Saturday Night Fuck Live. Fuck over Nick Rutherford. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so that that in an alternate reality, there are, you know there are five, six, there are five or six seasons of the Good Neighbor Show, just like Workaholics or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's not our reality. Our reality is they went to SNL, and because of SNL. They were mm-hmm. able to get the funding for this yeah. script. And as we said, just like they essentially replaced the Lonely Island, they'll never fill in that gap fully because that's an unfair job to give anyone. Mm-hmm. But the Lonely Island was brought in to produce this movie, and mm-hmm. they they added a lot to the film. And I mean, Phil really Lord did. and Chris Miller, yeah. directors of the Lego movie, which the Lonely Island made the theme song for, everything is awesome. Yeah, so there's a lot of exactly. connections going on Yeah, here. so I mean... Just behind the scenes, we're talking the Good Neighbor crew, we're talking the Lonely Island, we're talking Lord and Miller. Then in front of the camera, we have 
Kyle and the two other good neighbor guys in bit parts. Then we have Claire Danes. We have Mark Hamill. We have Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear is Greg so is good in this Mark film. Mark Hamill is great in this film. It's just had it had such a pedigree for like a indie like weird yeah. movie. They were able to assemble a really strong cast for a very strange original film. Yeah. Um my just like we were saying how you said you didn't look up anything relating to the movie. Even if you did, the logline for the movie reveals almost nothing. It's which I love because loglines mo- usually tend to like give you half of the movie away in a sentence. Yeah, this logline was essentially the story of James Pope, um, a young man who is raised uh, on watching one TV show and being obsessed with it every week, and then he he when the show ends, he ha- he goes out and tries to find yeah. out what the real world is like. Now, no, he he sets out to finish out the story yeah, of the show. That reveals like nothing. Yeah. Like you don't like it it's really good, I feel like because So that's that's all we want you to know right now before we go into spoilers. Just that Kyle plays James Pope. He's obsessed with a show about Brigsby Bear mm-hmm. and when it ends, he wants to finish the story yeah. of the show. That's all you have to know. Yeah. And that's all you need to know because the way the story unfolds, it it just strikes you in so many ways and and you feel laughter and and joy along with just tragedy and sadness all at the same time um and i think i mean we can reveal at least the um the very beginning of the movie uh you know things that aren't spoilers for like the big reveals so mark hamill plays uh james's dad and gives a really really cool performance. I yeah. love Mark Hamill in this movie. Yeah, basically, basically Mark Hamill plays um, the complete opposite of Luke Skywalker, which <laughs> may make for the best Mark Hamill role of 2017. I mean, he's in his voice work. He pro- he's proved that he's good at doing like various yeah. like villainous so, type deals. Yeah, oh, we'll, I mean, we'll he's talk, done the Joker before. Yeah, we'll, yeah. All the animated. We'll Batman talk films. more about you know Mark Hamill's. Full uh, role in this film when we get to spoilers. Yeah, but and then you have uh, from from SNL. What's what's her name playing the mother? She's good. She's in Transparent. You, you told me her name. I know. Uh, I literally before. know it. But let me look it up. Um, she's a great ensemble player. She's in Transparent, and she did a great job as a mother. All the acting in the movie throughout was incredibly solid. You have Gr- Greg Kinnear playing an eccentric police officer. Um, I thought that character had some issues, but I thought the way he acted it was uh, stellar. Yeah, uh, her name is Michaela Watkins, Michaela Watkins. Yeah. and she plays Louise Pope, so Kyle um, James's mother. Yeah, another SNL connection there. So I, after we saw it, I went and I read A.A. A. Dowd's AV Club review of the movie because I, I did have a couple issues with it. I, I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not a perfect film by yeah, any means. But his main critique I agreed with because his main critique is that the movie, as it's portrayed, has a bit too much heart to give it the emotional depth that that premise could have. It could be a movie that gives you like some really, really like gut-wrenching, like fucked-up like scenes kind yeah. of. Um, but that, I'm it, happy that it didn't because, of course, I I, I just want to get to spoilers so that we can just talk about. No, let's movie, let's just let's, let's just, just finish out. Sp- let's finish out anything else that you guys want to say. Non spoilers. Okay, let's so, just a call a call to action, guys. Colin, so, I know that you're listening to this podcast. Go fucking see Brigsby Bear, okay, bro? I mean, can he even? Where is it going to be? Okay, let's just take this moment. It's Tal- no, it's playing Tallahassee. It's area. definitely playing it at the AMC and Tallahassee Mall for Colin. sure. Or I'm, I'm I'm sorry, the Centre at 
Tallahassee. Yeah, Colin and Snyder go together, bring your girlfriends, have a double date, but like sit together and make yeah. your girlfriends sit in a different row so you guys can make so out. So you guys can cry. Yeah. Um, fuck. Let's just take this moment to call out uh, the Colin Snyder podcast mm. and how Snyder brought up one of the Kyle sketches from SNL that we were talking about earlier, mm. and he didn't even know who Kyle yeah. and Beck Kyle were. Kyle Mooney is a national treasure, Snyder. <laughs> what are you? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, so... Anyway, if you like original filmmaking yes. and you want to support original creators in Hollywood and people that are trying to make, you know, bold. A non-franchise. Yeah, just something that is new and that's not based on a comic book or a, you know, rehashed old 80s movie or whatever. Exactly. That's my favorite thing about it. It's it's one of the most original movies I've seen this year. Easily up there with like... Uh, it's definitely, I need to see it a second and, time, but it's definitely like up there in my top two or three movies of the year. And yeah. it's a love letter to cinema. And it to really film, is. And to filmmaking. It really is, because, I mean, this isn't really a spoiler. I mean, you already said he goes out to finish the story, and there is a chunk of the movie where, like, it's just him just trying to, like, make a film with his friends. Yeah. And it's a really beautiful story so, that speaks to us all on a personal level. Definitely. Yeah. Um. So that, that gets us to... Spoilers. Okay. Spoilers for Brigsby so, Bear starting now. now. Okay, so Doom. my <laughs> literally one of my favorite parts of the entire movie is when they show clips of the show Brigsby Bear. This isn't even a spoiler. Every single clip of that show was gold and incredible. Hilarious. Um, so funny. I mean, and that is what Kyle has proven to be best at. He is... If you've read any interview with him, he's obsessed with 90s media. He has a VHS collection. And so that's what was kind of in his inspiration for the movie. And every single clip of Brigsby Bear, it's a very, it's the most 90s thing you've ever seen. It's the writing of the show. It's written by Mark Hamill, who's his dad, who the big reveal is, has, is not actually his dad and has been keeping Kyle captive for 25 years in the hopes of raising him in, to become inside a Inside of like a 10 Cloverfield Lane in bunker. bunker yeah in like a yeah. bunker in the in the hopes of him and his wife have the hopes of raising kyle to become a math genius because they're both math geniuses it appears um so brigsby bears interlaced with math lessons it has this crazy storyline going on but then well, he's also, been it's because this is the only media that he has been exposed to ever in his life it's all this he's the, seen yeah so he, he thinks that the world is in nuclear fallout and that every week, like police officers or you know National Guard people, deliver an episode of Brigsby Bear. Yeah. In reality, his dad is the writer, star, and producer of Brigsby Bear. He he does everything on that show. He films it in a warehouse, like forty miles from their house. And so the show is unbelievably bizarre. I just wanted to see more of it. I thought, yeah, one which which is one of the things that kind of uh, arises one of the main issues I had with the film, which is. The the film, this story is so interesting and it's so, like, I just want to know more about this world that Kyle has set up in this script. Exactly. And I, I just, it, there's not enough details in See, the film. Like, I want to know how sinister this plan is. But I think mm -hmm. that's just great screenwriting, which, I mean, Kyle also was a writer on this film and it was amazing world building. Yeah. Yeah, it really, it really is, especially with all, you know, the, the 90s style production of the Brigsby Bear show. You know, this, yeah. you, you don't doubt for a second that this is a real show that he's watching. Yeah. One great point that uh, our friend Brett Nemiroff brought up after the movie is that... Shout out to Brett. Yeah. Hey, Brett. Hey, Brett. Um, all the He's probably yo-yoing while listening to this. Yeah, it's... 
that's Brett. <laughs> All the information revealed in the movie essentially is just what Kyle's character cares about. That's why you bear it's barely even mentioned over the course of the movie that he's also a math genius because all his character cares about is Brigsby Bear. Yeah. So he doesn't what, he doesn't understand that he's a math genius. Yeah, so he doesn't know anything. Yeah, so once else. he's out in the real world, one of there's just a throwaway line like most of the way through it where he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm in a math school now." And it's like, "We didn't get a second of him yeah. in math school yeah. because he doesn't care about math school. Kyle cares about Brigsby Bear." So the whole movie is about him shooting the movie for Brigsby Bear to end the series. Yeah, and one thing I was saying when we left the theater is it would have been really interesting to see this story as a series, like a Stranger Things type deal, you know, eight episodes yeah, on yeah. Netflix or something like that, where you get multiple perspectives. You see the story from a, a, a much more omnipresent angle than just Kyle's yeah. character. You could have gotten more into but his I don't family. Know. I really, I really loved the way that it was, that the film was presented as it just being from Kyle's character because there's a certain part, the there's a party scene where he goes there and it, the only like, because I mean, uh, you were talking about A.A. Dowd's uh, review earlier where he talks about how the movie's too nice. Yeah. He, like the only negative characters that he encounters in the entire film are like just these like douchebag looking dudes that won't talk to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, they literally and his just friend don't comes up, his friend comes up to him and he's like, don't worry about those guys. They look like dicks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's uh, a good point is but, that those, that's the most negativity. But I think, I think that one thing that we can l- kind of learn from that is that we can understand that Kyle's character is really, really smart and he's able to just throw himself into the outside world and into society after living a lifetime mm-hmm. bunkered down. Um, and he just he just rolls with it. Like he can uh, he can just kind of understand everything. And because of Brigsby Bear, he's able to connect with people. Yeah, because he's extremely socially awkward. Like he yeah. doesn't know any social norms. There's one point where he's just like, "Do you need to shut down the generator for the night?" And they're like, "No, we're on a power grid." It's yeah, fine. but um, like it's it's stuff like that. But he's still just he's so enthusiastic about his love for Brigsby Bear. He wants to share it. It's so charming to everybody around him and that it's honestly believable that people are like, what is the fuck is this weird shit? Because those are videos, like the actual Brigsby Bear show, that shit that would get popular on YouTube. See, that's that's the thing I disagreed with about A.A. Dowd. He he was like, it was somewhat improbably went viral. (laughs) If, If a series of videos were released that had been only seen by a person who was held captive for 25 years. And it was on the news that he was free. Yeah, and it was yeah. a bizarro children's show that has actual sci-fi elements and then it teaches you math. People would watch that. Ironically or not, people would watch the fuck out of that. And when they showed people watching it on their phones, they would be laughing at it. So it was with like kind of an ironic yeah. distance. Yeah, and we did get that shot of the random you know, city girl watching the show and laughing to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That's like what I mean. it's building a following. Um, but what I would have liked, as far as you're talking about how there was so much more to tell... I wanted five or ten more minutes in the bunker before it got dis- like found out because that was so felt a little rushed. It yeah. was so bizarre and so interesting. Everything in there, I just wanted to see more of like how at dinner every night they like shake hands and yeah. s- just stuff like that. And I wanted to see more of that. That's another thing about how it sets up this fake family that Kyle has. You know how he's being held captive by these people, 
I want to know why they did this. Yeah, you don't get a lot. Yeah, of, like yeah, you, you really don't, don't ever find out their motivation. You're, you're only left. You're it. left to assume that it's to make him a math genius because that's the whole point of Briggs Bear. And that's but what, is there that's some sort of evil plan? Like, yeah, exactly. Do they need him for something? You don't get. But a, you don't think. I mean, it's obvious. It, I, I mean, you never see after Kyle gets out of the bunker. You never see the mother character again. Yeah. You do see Mark Hamill, and like yeah. Mark Hamill is obviously like he had no malicious intents whatsoever. Like he just he lo- he fell in love with this kid. He didn't he didn't uh, kidnap him. It was no, the yeah, wife. It was the wife. But yeah. you, I wish that we would have gotten another shot with her just to like. I wonder if there why. was a scene that they cut out with. That's her. what I'm thinking. There seems like there was a couple scenes that were had to be cut. Yeah. Um. Also her pacing. Yeah. I think I just feel like there must have been a scene cut out with Andy Samberg in it. Because okay. Yeah. So Andy know. Samberg, really character. Andy Samberg of Lonely Island fame. You know, everyone knows Samberg from the Lonely yeah, you Island. You don't have to crew. say that. <laughs> he shows up in the film uh, towards the end in a very strange uh, sort of cameo, extended cameo role when Kyle's character gets sent to the loony bin, and Samberg. The correct is, term is mental hospital. Uh, oh, yes, I'm sorry. Looney bin. The fuck, dude? This is 2017. There are people listening in mental hospitals nationwide yeah. because those are the only people who would be willing to listen to this. To <laughs> <So>, bam <laughs> Um, but yeah, it just he he's a, he's a patient in the mental hospital. There's obviously something going on with him. He yeah, at first you think he's blind, but yeah, then he's he seems, not. Yeah, he just wears sunglasses, but you just don't get a lot of information about his character and he's just like there. And so it's like maybe they just put him in to like have Andy Samberg in the movie. Yeah. And, or he wanted to put himself yeah. in because he's a producer. He's a producer. Or, and he's just like, I'm a recognizable face. I can just do nothing. Or maybe there was a cut scene involving him that had some kind of meaning to it. You know, I mean, yeah. you do get some some uh, B-roll shots where you're it's indicated that he's Kyle's friend in the movie. Mm-hmm. Band. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like there's a cut scene there. In the cuckoo's nest, you mean? Oh, my God. <laughs> Is he the one that flew over? No, Kyle, Kyle is. That's Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's also um, in this movie. But as as no, long as not. we're talking about critiques of it, uh, another one that we've kind of uh, hinted at is that the female characters are very underwritten. Um, like yeah. Well, just if we're talking about like who interacts with Kyle most, is it the mom or the dad? It's the dad. Like, is it um, his his abducted mom or his abducted dad? Is his abducted dad? And then the little sister character. Um, she's just, she suffers the stereotype that a lot of teenage girls get written as, which is just too apathetic in which like he literally gets taken home for being abducted for 25 years. And she's like, Hey, let's go to like a party with my friends. And then she just goes in and like leaves him somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that was a bit much as far as, but I mean, she kind of, she turns around her attitude and stuff like that. Grant, it's after Kyle has already been embraced by other people. That's she doesn't like yeah, introduce she, she him does, around. Yeah, she does have some redemption, definitely. But as far as like doing something to forward the plot, she has to get a message from a great character who is the uh, director of the Brigsby Bear movie. Mm-hmm. That kid was a great character, but he has to mess- Spencer. Spencer. Yes, he has to message her and be like, "Hey, look at this video of us like making this." Yeah, while he's already you know locked up in the mental hospital. Yeah, which is that's what gets uh, the parents to like you know want to like yeah. help him with the Brizzy Bear movie. So because they they you know they lost him again, mm-hmm. so they're like, "Well, what's the point of this? You know, what's the point of helping him?" Quote unquote. 
with yeah. the Claire Danes psychologist character. I will say if we don't she even was by far my least favorite character. Claire Danes. Yeah. She was one dimensional. Every, yeah. She was extremely. She's such a good every actress. Other, completely wasted. Every in this other film. character has some kind of a redemption to them except for her. She's just like, no, you're obsessed with this thing. Well, now we're going to take it away from you and you can't ever watch it or talk about it. And yeah. it's like, that's just yeah. shitty psychologist right there. Yeah. So the movie did suffer from underwritten uh, female characters. But speaking to that also, I will say I was very happy that just that w- you only get that one diner scene with Kyle's quote unquote love interest. Oh yeah. And it was perfect. I didn't want it to turn to the, a story. the girl from the show, yeah. from the Briggs and um, Bear I, show. I'm blanking on the actress's name. Um, but, but yeah, when she was, she was, it was great. It, he's like about to leave the diner and he's just like, Oh, by the way, I'm in love with you. Yeah. Because <laughs> just like, so in, in Brigsby bear, the TV show, there's one person that's not Kyle's abducted father. And it's this well, girl. It's, these, it's a set of sisters. Well, no, she plays both of them. It's not twins. She, it's just a girl that via a camera trick is playing twins. Oh, they, they mentioned. So it's literally just this one girl who like Kyle's abducted dad hired to like be in this show. And that's literally the only girl that's Kyle's age that he has ever seen because he's been abducted his whole life. So he has a poster of her on his wall and like you, you see him literally like one night he just jacks off to her. You're, you're to assume that he jacks off to her every night. You see Kyle's penis. (laughs) I wish. If only. Probably fucking huge. Kyle. Um, Fucking huge, dude. Should have worn a prosthetic. But yeah, that, that is a good, that is (laughs) a 14 inch black prosthetic. (laughs) But that is a good point that you made is that, he he goes eventually and finds this woman, and it goes about how you would expect because yeah. it would be a bit too campy if like she he, she met him. And she was like, "So you're the kid, huh? Man, I've wanted to meet you a long time." Yeah, you know? yeah. It was, really, it she's just much. weirded out because he's a fucking. She's like, weirdo. I have to go pick up my child. Yeah, she's yeah. like, a oh, life. she's a grown ass, and that woman. was a small part of her life, and she's a weirdo. And then he's leaving, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, I've always been in love with you." But she's like, uh, "Okay," like yeah. th- that was a good uh, moment. So I think overall, this film just gives us a little bit of hope for what Kyle and and Dave can do as filmmakers. I I think it's a very confident film. It's not perfect by any means, but it does a lot to further them as creators as more than just sketch comedians Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. just, you know, YouTube video creators. I will say, I mean, as great as the writing and everything was, Kyle did amazing acting job. You buy into his character so much. He's in like almost every frame of this film. Which, like I've said, if you watched his YouTube videos, you're not surprised by that. Like, I'm sure other people were like, who is this guy? But his, the nuance in all of his characters is unbelievable on YouTube. That's why I'm obsessed with his YouTube If you look up his Kyle, his Kyle channel, it's literally just Dave just putting a camera on him and just letting him do his thing. Like, he's that good. Yeah, he's, he's incredibly, and he does a lot of characters that are similar to his one in this, which is like, Sort of on the spectrum, yeah, essentially like autistic. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, he's very like, like a lot of stutters, a lot of like non-eye contact. Which no I mean, vision. Fun fact about Kyle is that he actually does have some speech impediments, and he realized because he wanted to be working comedy and stuff, he learned to lean into that to mm. like embrace it and make it more of a is that true thing. Yeah, yeah where'd you see true. that? Um, it was a. It was on, I can't remember what the website was, but it was like three years ago or so. It was like right around the time that he got on SNL that he talks about that. I mean, I can see that because his, if you listen to his episode of Comedy Bang Bang, uh, when it was just him, he did a lot of stuttering. Yeah. But then when he went into the character of Chris, no more stuttering. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but his, yeah, I, I saw a lot of his uh, interviewer, like kind of autistic interviewer character in his character in the show, just because there was so much stuttering and like weirdness and making people feel awkward. Um, that like you saw, you saw a good, like a window into his YouTube personas, but like, it wasn't just entirely YouTube. It was like its own thing. Yeah. I'm really glad that this film wasn't just, uh, the good neighbor. Yeah. Movie. But I'm also glad that it, it, cause I mean, of course, going back to AA doubt again, I glad that it was as charming as it was because I didn't want to watch room. Like I've already seen room before with like just really dramatic yeah. and like, making you sob through. I fucking love Room, but that's not the movie that we were going in to see. It was yeah. supposed to And it would have been cheap to see just a rip-off of Room. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. If that would have just been, like, seeing how Kyle's character, who's been in a bunker his whole life, is, like, interacting with the world around him. He's more of a charming character. Than yeah. And, yeah. And I think I think one of, one of the main gripes that people will have with this film and something that I'm still thinking of and I, one of the reasons why I want to see it again is how the film blends tragedy with comedy, especially because we know Kyle so close and, and we want to laugh at all of these tiny decisions he's making as an actor and as a writer. Oh, yeah. But the story is just so sad and so tragic. And yeah. and we're, we're seeing this personality on the screen that we've connected with over the last, you know, four, five, yeah. six years. And we think it's so, you know, impactful to us. But the, the story in the film itself is so sad mm-hmm. that it feels weird laughing at it, you know, even though mm-hmm. it's so funny. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, this is so funny. Yeah, there's oh, actually there's like, one part where uh, at during the the party scene where he like takes like Molly or something and hooks some up drug with the girl, or some pill. and he gets like really fucked up, and then later on he sees this girl again. And he's like, "Hey, so uh, I really like that, but uh, do we have to get married now or something?" Yeah, he's and you're like, like, "I don't think I can marry you. I don't think I can marry you." <laughs> it's like. It's funny, but also it's really tragic just because you think, like, this kid has, like, he's literally been by himself with his parents for his entire life. And he thinks, oh, you've had sex with somebody. That means, or even, like, making out with somebody. Because they even, like, hook up. They didn't even have sex. They didn't even have sex. But, like, just, like, hooking up at all with somebody means, like, oh, yeah, you're going to get married to them. Yeah, also... That uh, sex like makeout scene was one of the top five most supremely cringy oh, moments so cringy. that Kyle has ever created, which so. is saying a lot. Also, because you have to keep in mind, this kid, this guy is playing like a twenty-five-year-old, and he's making out with like a high schooler, and yeah. you're like, oh god, oh yeah. my god, oh no, stop. <laughs> yeah. So it just in general, I mean, Kyle is a master of making you just go like, oh god, which in a good way if you like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, because like, like I said, he goes out in real life and he'll like interview people in character. So you're going to get a lot of moments like that. So that's what I was expecting. That moment, like even me, I love that shit. And I was like, oh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I still loved it. I mean, he's, yeah. he's yeah, kissing a girl for the first time and then he's being touched uh-huh. by the he's gr- like by eating girl. her face. Yeah, and, and she's like, <laughs> she's touching his dick and he's like, oh, I, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. I like that. <laughs> I, I got to go now. <laughs> yeah. So overall. It's um, not a movie for everyone. I will say, like, if you don't, I, it's really not, like, wide mass appeal comedy or anything not. like that. But if you are into that sort of a niche comedy, if you like shit like The Office and stuff like that, like cringe humor, but also something that has a lot of heart to it, then I think that you will fucking love this movie. Yeah, I like guess, I did. you know, we can urge you all we want to try to catch it in theaters, but 
I know going to the movies is expensive, and this not movie, with Movie Pass. Yeah, not with Movie <laughs> Everybody Pass. Everybody get Movie Pass and go see Brigsby Bear. Yeah, but you know, at least give this film a chance. It may not be for you, but I I think it's a really special film. I think I'm I'm very happy for Kyle and and his whole team. Yeah, and you know the the best thing about this film is. It gets me excited for Kyle making movies. You know, he made a, a movie, movie star. He made He's a, a movie. fucking movie yeah. star. When I, that's what He's I felt it. when it was over. I, I just felt very proud. So proud. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He After, did it. Our when boy. you see the shot of him sitting outside the theater and he opens up the door and there's just like thunderous applause. Like yeah. that that part made me cry. Probably the yeah. hardest debate part in the film because yeah. I was like. He's he made it. I mean, I I teared up at all the scenes of him just sitting down to make a movie, like storyboarding, the storyboard Mm. scene of just covering his walls and like just going out to the to the mountains and and just shooting it on a camera, just making a movie with his friends. Yeah, like oh my god, I it's it's beautiful. It's it's kind of metaphorical because it shows uh, like. It's to a very extreme extent, but if you're a fucking weirdo, you can find solace in film or like anything really. But like you can, but still but really film because yeah. One of the things that Kyle is trying to say with this with this film is he sees Brigsby Bear as the bridge to connect him with all of these people that he's meeting and. You know the the just the outside world. Yeah, he's like, like hey, you want to see this? Yeah, thing? like Brigsby Bear is the only way that he can have a relationship with his real family yeah. and with his sister and with these these all new friends, and it's all he knows, and it's the only way that he can yeah. be a person and be a real human. Yeah. And I think that's a sentiment that a lot of us can kind of relate to, just not to that extreme, but like in terms of. At work, there are some people that I work with that I really wouldn't have anything to talk with them about unless we talked about like film and TV yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like that's just a, it's a good it's bridge a great of connection. Thing bringing yeah. together, yeah, bringing people together. Yeah, so it hit it hit home in a lot of ways. Overall, I really, despite like a few issues, I really enjoy the movie. I think everyone should try to see it. What uh, did you ever talk about your uh, your problems with the Greg Kinnear character? Oh, let me. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Because I actually I really loved his character. Of course, he kind of had a dramatic transformation, basically out of nowhere. It was just, but yeah. he still did an amazing. Yeah. So so Greg Kinnear plays a cop that has an acting background, um, and he's basically a detective that is investigating the you know Kyle's case being abducted by this family. Just the one uh, the one scene outside that he has. With Kyle's uh, character, where Kyle's basically just like, oh, so you just, it, it really sucks that you had to give up on your dream like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the issue, the main issue I had is just uh, a few unrealistic behaviors. I thought Kinnear did a great job with the character, but like where he brings Kyle all the, you know, the equipment needed for Brigsby Bear, that is the most unprofessional shit I've ever yeah, seen in my he life. He definitely lose his job yeah, for that yeah, shit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. A just, cop cannot do yeah, like <laughs> like that and then the, steal evidence. The, the moment where he does like the little monologue for Kyle, he's like, hey, you know, I used to be an actor. And then he gives like a Shakespeare monologue. That was a bit hacky. Um, as far in that movie, that was probably the hackiest moment for me. Where Kyle's like, "Whoa, that's like really good." You know, it's just like kind of. It reminded me of the old video uh, singing while doing chores that Kyle did, where he's just singing, yeah. and then yeah, he's like, "Kyle, that's incredible." <laughs> it kind of reminded me of that. Um, 
I, I mean, I, they needed that character. It, it's he served a great purpose in the movie. And Greg Kinnear is one of the best actors in the film. He does such a good job. Yeah, it was just yeah, it was just funny to see Greg Kinnear doing that. Yeah, and looking like a young Mark Hamill. No, also. yeah, no. There, the first time that uh, you see him, whenever he's acting, uh, like in the in the movie, I was like. Is that fucking Mark Hamill? Like, yeah. you couldn't really tell just because he's, like, in a hood and shit. And also, uh, speaking to Mark Hamill, I love the scene where the part where they go and visit his character in jail, it's I, – I love that part. And then his, he, Kyle just brings out a little recorder and he's just like – Oh, wait. You're talking about when they go visit Mark Hamill. Yeah, when they go visit yeah. Mark Hamill's character yeah. in jail. And uh, they're getting him to do the voices. I just I love that scene. Yeah, it it's was, a just, nod. It's a nod to Mark right Hamill's in. voice work. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It really yeah. is. That scene. I and like now I can that just scene. flip it on on a dime. Yeah. Just like. I, I like that scene, but that was the one I initially was discussing when I agreed with AA Dad, where I thought it could have used a little more depth. It could have used a little more of Kyle being like, "I'm never going to talk to you again." A after crying, this. like, like Kyle you, just uh, yeah, like, just a little more of like, life. "Hey, you know, you ruined my life, right?" Like, yeah, I just think that. You know, because we're only seeing this story through Kyle's perspective, we do get that line when Kyle says that he doesn't think what his captors did was that bad. Yeah, he never yeah. he never he realizes yeah. that how like oppressed his life was. So it kind of makes you think that he's just going to go on the rest of his life thinking that he wasn't, you know, uh, I mean, what's I, the word? Like, I am he really wasn't... glad that his actual real parents, biological parents, got some redemption because otherwise I would have felt more dramatic about that. Him, like that character where I just thought like, oh man, I would have rather just stayed. Yeah, I miss my dad. Yeah. Yeah, I miss yeah, my fake dad. I, I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, I think it's a bigger deal for this, the type of perspective that Kyle's trying to give us that he doesn't accept the gravity of his situation. I think it, it makes us think that like he's going to go on the rest of his life not really accepting how bad it was what happened to him. Yeah. You know, it, which is even more tragic. It is sad. I just think it would have been cool to see him realize what like the gravity of the situation. Yeah. But it's because of Brigsby Bear. It's because he knows that his, you know, captor father was you know, basically the creator of this yeah, show. His, he he holds him in a much higher regard. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a scene when he finds out that his dad made Brace Me Bear and he's so excited. Yeah. I think he's going to like break down crying, but then yeah. he's just so pumped he's up. He's like, oh shit, my dad's Brace Me Bear. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, he does. Uh, I mean, he, he holds his dad. His dad is the creator of the thing he loves most in life. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going to hold him in high regard. I just wanted to see like a, a moment of like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, um, but sort of an, an an explanation, which is going back to one of the main issues I had with the film is is why was he abducted? Why was he put in this bunker? Like, was there some sort of evil evil plan? Yeah, was that it they evil were or trying? are they just weirdos? Yeah, and you don't really get that. And I guess in the end, that's fine because why would they explain that to Kyle? You know, you, yeah, we. I think in that scene... I guess scene, I didn't really need that scene. It, but I think but. the thing with that scene with Mark Hamill at the end is, you know, you're about to get that classic bad guy monologue where he explains his whole evil plan. Exposition, exposition, Yeah, exposition. and then Kyle's like, no, I'm just here to get you to record some lines for my movie. <laughs> yeah, but that was, I, I don't I care about I that. I love that part where he was just like, no, I, d I don't care about why you took me. Yeah. I just brought this film, this recording equipment, yeah. and we're going to get you to do the voices. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't that big of a gripe because just overall, I loved the movie. I enjoyed it. It made me feel things. Uh, and I, so just like we all said, we would recommend yeah. it to anyone. And it's all you can ask for in a, in a movie is just to feel things. Yeah, and know? more than yeah. anything, it's it's incredibly original, which is what matters the most in today's film landscape, where nothing is original. Yeah, where everything is the same, and you can predict yeah. it all. Um, so yeah. I loved going into this movie not, knowing nothing, and I love finding out this story you know firsthand and, and yeah. just seeing it all unfold before my eyes in mm. in the theater with you guys it was yeah i'll never forget it yeah it, it was, was dude it was it, well it was also just such a great experience between uh, the three of us and also brett who the four of us have spent so many hours watching kyle videos mm-hmm. for years and, just, and years that was another thing that just got me a little bit emotional is just like we've seen this guy grow up together yeah. between all yeah. the four of us I feel the like three this, of us right now because Brett is dead. I feel like this is kind of what's going to be happening more in the modern era where you get to see like in the old days, people would make like short films or whatever, but they weren't on YouTube. So you right. wouldn't see mm-hmm. them. like these days. We're going to see people blossom on the yeah, Internet, especially someone that as talented as Kyle. Yeah. You know, like, he deserves this. It, and it makes it a lot more satisfying to watch their movies. Yeah. So I'm excited for other people that we may know already who are going to make that jump to like the big screen. Yeah. It's going to be really cool to watch. It's, it's a cool era. And we'll uh, be talking about it on the podcast. On, Whoa. Whoa, bam. Unless we all get famous and then fuck this podcast. Yeah. Nah, we'll keep it going. We'll you know, keep it going. Episode 400. When you record uh, episode 10, or when you're uh, directing episode 10 of Star Wars, yeah. Ernest, you're going to come Ep- back and do this. Ep- episode 10. I went on I the, the new trilogy. More like episode 15, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Star Wars movies will never die. They'll never go out of... <laughs> All right, guys, let's wrap this up. Okay, I just want to, while we're doing our outro real quick, I have a correction. Um, I'm hoping that Colin stopped listening because he didn't want to listen through the spoilers, but he probably didn't. He's probably just, like, beating his meat to my voice. You know, so, I, see, I was about to be like, hey, Colin, since you're not listening, Coheed and David Lynch suck. But that, Hey, go fuck yourself. Yeah, that just insults Hunter <laughs> you. as much as it insults Colin. You know, Colin Hunter and I are is the same person. Hunter is wearing a Coheed shirt as right we now, speak. Right now, and a different Coheed shirt than the Coheed shirt I was wearing for episode zero. Yeah. But um, okay, okay. Just wanted a quick correction. I misspoke on the last episode, or I misremembered, I should say. I said that The Exorcist was the reason for the establishment of the best makeup category at the Oscars, and I was correct. I was incorrect. I the correct answer is The Elephant Man, a David Lynch joint. Uh, uh, probably Lynch's uh, least Lynchian film. Um, uh, have you guys <laughs> ever seen The Elephant Man? <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Have you guys ever actually seen So it's his man? least Lynchian film, so does that mean it's good? <laughs> Go oh my god. I swear to god I'm about to quit this fucking podcast. I'm gonna make my own podcast where I just talk about Coheed and Lynch for yeah, that'll, eight hours. That'll do well. There's probably a lot of crossover there, honestly. Yeah. And I'll see Honestly? No, no, no. But really, uh, The Elephant Man is an amazing movie. And uh, that was the real reason for the establishment of the best uh Okay. Best makeup category. Okay. Aspects. Well, shout out to Colin and Snyder. Yeah, shout, shout out to Colin you. Snyder. Shout out to uh, Liz from work who listens to our podcast. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Shout out to Liz. Shout and, out. Uh, shout out to my girlfriend. Let's plug some Twitters. Um, oh, yo, yeah. Uh, Hunter am, made a Twitter. I am now on Twitter officially. You Whoa. can uh, follow me at Hunt Mobley. That's H U N T M O B L E Y. Okay. You'll find me at Drew Dietzen. Uh, Drew spelled like Drew. Uh, Dietzen spelled like <laughs> Diet Zen. Wait, how do you spell Drew? 
Drew? Uh, D-R and then U with an umlaut. <laughs> no, Drew. Um, yeah, so I retweet a bunch of really woke shit. Uh, some Rob yeah, Delaney. Yeah, some Rob Delaney, like like comedy democratic socialist shit. It's and like, you uh, can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Caldernist. C-A-L-D-E-R-N-E-S-T. Um, I post some uh, some pictures and some tweets. I've been talking a lot of shit about Game of Thrones on Twitter lately. So if you want to look-see that, have a look-see. Oh, we have an official We Bought a Mic Instagram page. Oh, at yeah. We Bought a Mic. We'll probably plug this new episode on there. You know, we'll be and posting nothing else. Yeah, we'll you know we'll <laughs> check out the Instagram for a plug of the, the, the thing you <laughs> the just thing listened to all of. <laughs> we'll we'll find stuff to to post on there. Some some memes, some film stuff, some film memes and whatnot. Film memes. All right. Well, uh, Hunter, you wanna you wanna close this out? That's really cool. Oh, and then okay, here we go. Same I, song. No, this is this is bad. I. I I regret asking for this. Death. We bought a mic. Oh Oh boy. Alright, see you later guys. Alright, well thanks for listening. We bought a coheed in Cambria. Turn it off right now. Turn off the podcast.